For as long as the Roman Empire lasted, they never created a set method of choosing successors to emperors. This inability to have an idea of who would be next in line caused numerous problems throughout the history of the empire. The first major secession crisis occurred in the year 69. One emperor died, and there was no clear replacement. The result was chaos. Learn more about the Year of the Four Emperors on this episode of Everything Everywhere Daily. This episode is sponsored by ButcherBox. Summer is right around the corner, and that means cookouts. No matter what your preferred food is for a cookout or a barbecue, ButcherBox can help you make it the best. If you want to serve up some hamburgers, ButcherBox has grass-fed ground beef to make the perfect smash burger. Want to cook up some steaks? Well, ButcherBox has that too, with some of the best cuts of steak, such as New York Strip, ribeye, and filet mignon. Do you like grilled chicken? Well, ButcherBox has some of the best pasture-raised chicken that you will find anywhere. And if you really want to wow people at your next cookout, you can try grilling some of their wild-caught salmon on a cedar plank. Sign up at ButcherBox.com daily and get a special deal. ButcherBox is offering my listeners a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breasts, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at ButcherBox.com daily and use code daily to choose your free-for-a-year offer plus get $20 off your first order. This episode is sponsored by Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. I recently had the chance to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond, and I can attest to its exceptional aromas with hints of caramel and vanilla intertwining with its oakiness, which provide a well-rounded flavor profile. Taking a sip is akin to experiencing a piece of bourbon history firsthand. Heaven Hill Distillery may be America's most quintessential bourbon distillery. Established in 1935 after the end of Prohibition, the distillery was established by the Shapira family and has remained a family-owned distillery to this day. In 1897, Congress passed the Bottled in Bond Act, which set forth strict rules for any bourbon labeled Bottled in Bond. Heaven Hill Bottled in Bond bourbon goes beyond the stringent requirements of the law by aging its bourbon for seven years, not four. The end result is a gold medal-winning bourbon that truly stands out. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill Bottled in Bond. Heaven Hill reminds you, think wisely, drink wisely. This episode is sponsored by the Travel Photography Academy. In 2007, I sold my home to travel around the world. I bought an expensive camera that I didn't know how to use and took a bunch of terrible photos. Several years, a hundred countries, and tens of thousands of photos later, I had improved my photography to the point where I was winning national awards, being named Travel Photographer of the Year three times in North America. I created the Travel Photography Academy so you don't have to spend the many years that I did to improve your photography. Even though we can't easily travel right now, you can still work on improving your photography at home and in your own community. Just go to TravelPhotographyAcademy.com or click on the link in the show notes to start improving your photography today. To understand the events of the year 69 in Rome, we first have to understand what happened the year before, in 68, which set the groundwork for this most unusual year. The year 68 began with Nero as the emperor of Rome. Many of the stories attributed to Nero, like him playing the fiddle while Rome burned down, are probably apocryphal. Nonetheless, he is widely considered a horrible emperor, 
you won't find many people in history who have had good things to say about Nero. While he may not have caused the great fire in Rome, he certainly took advantage of it. He built a palace which was the largest building ever built in the ancient world. He also raised taxes to pay for this extravagance. A revolt in Gaul took place with the intent of installing Lucius Livius Oxella Suplius Galba, the governor of Hispania Terraconosis, as emperor. The Gallic revolt wasn't successful, and Galba wasn't even the leader of the revolt. The Senate denounced Galba as a public enemy. However, that wasn't the end of the insurrection. It was just the beginning. The head of Nero's Praetorian Guard, Nymphinius Sabinus, led a plot to transfer allegiance from Nero to Galba. Despite being declared a public enemy, support for Galba grew. Nero fled the city, and while he was away, the Senate tried him in absentia. Knowing the end was near, Nero killed himself, or according to legend, he had a servant do it, because he was too much of a coward. He died on June 8th in the year 68. Galba then entered Rome with one of his legions, and was proclaimed emperor by the Senate. This was a pretty significant moment in the history of Rome. Nero was the last of the Julio-Claudian dynasty. This was the family of Augustus and Julius Caesar. This family were the only rulers that Rome knew for the last 100 years. With Galba, they were in new territory. Not only was he not a member of the Julio-Claudian family, but he was also old. He was 69 when he became emperor, and he had no children of his own. Galba was also the first military leader who was proclaimed emperor by his troops, something which would become the norm later in the history of the empire. As we enter the year 69, Galba was emperor, and he was the first of the four emperors that year. As you can probably guess from the phrase, the year of the four emperors, Galba wasn't going to be there very long. On his way to Rome, he increased taxes on towns that wouldn't recognize him as emperor. He overturned many of the popular reforms of Nero. Most importantly, he didn't pay the Praetorian guards the money which was promised to them by the leader of the revolt, a lesson which future emperors would pay heed to. On January 1st, he found out that the legions in Germania refused to recognize him as emperor, and instead acclaimed their leader, Aulus Vitellius, as emperor. A member of the nobility, Marcus Salvius Otho, wanted to become emperor himself, so he did what Galba wouldn't. He paid the Praetorian guard. On January 15th, Galba was assassinated by his guard in the Forum, and on that day the Senate recognized Otho as emperor number two for the year. Otho came to power via bribery and skullduggery. Where Galba was 70 when he died, Otho was only 36 when he came to power. It wouldn't even have been old enough to have been a consul during the Republican period. Otho wasn't necessarily a bad guy. During his time in power, he was just, showed mercy, and was relatively popular with the people of Rome. However, he had one massive problem. Vitellius, the guy that the legions up in Germania declared as emperor, was still claiming to be emperor and was coming to Rome to take it. Otho went up to meet Vitellius. He offered to marry Vitellius's daughter and come to a peaceful solution to the matter. But Vitellius, who commanded the best, most experienced legions in the Roman army, wanted to decide the matter on the battlefield. Otho and Vitellius met at the Battle of Bedriacum, the first battle between Roman forces in over a century. Vitellius won, 40,000 Romans died, and Otho took his own life. This all went down on April 14th, and Vitellius was now emperor number three in the year 69. The Senate declared Vitellius emperor, but he was unpopular from the beginning. He spent money lavishly on useless extravagances. He held three banquets a day, one for each meal. He held triumphs and games. He was draining the treasury quickly and going into debt. He would summarily execute anyone who questioned his decisions, and he would kill anyone who named him in their will. As everything I've described so far this year had been happening, 
Way over in the east, another general had been acclaimed emperor by his troops. The legions in Africa, Egypt, Judea, and Syria had all thrown their support behind Titus Flavius Vespasianus, known to history as Vespasian. Vitellius was simply closer to Rome and was able to confront Otho immediately. Vespasian was much farther away, and it took more time to get to Rome, but what he controlled was far more important. The east was where the money was made. Egypt was the breadbasket of the Roman Empire. Without control of the east, Rome would starve and go broke. Legions from Judea and Syria began the march to Rome. Along the way, more legions who were stationed along the Danube threw their support behind Vespasian. The Danube legions, being much closer, began to march on Rome as well. Vespasian himself was in Alexandria, which was the second most important city in the empire. His forces, led by Marcus Antonius Primus, met Vitellius's legion once again at the Battle of Bidriacum, for the second battle there this year. This time, Vespasian's forces were victorious, and Vitellius returned to Rome. The walls were closing in around him. He began frantically throwing around bribes and promotions to win support. It didn't work. The people were against him. When Vespasian's forces entered the city, the populace rained objects down from the windows on Vitellius's men. According to legend, Vitellius was found hiding, brought to the Gamonian Stairs, which was a popular spot for executions, and killed by the mob. He was beheaded, and his head paraded around the city. The next day, December 21st, Vespasian was declared emperor by the Senate, the fourth emperor in the year 69. There were no further threats to Vespasian's rule. He remained emperor for the next 10 years and established a dynasty that would last for 27. Vespasian was responsible for the construction of the Colosseum in Rome. Historians have rated him rather favorably as an emperor. He was succeeded by his eldest son Titus, who was considered an okay emperor, and Titus was then replaced by Vespasian's younger son Domitian, who was considered one of the worst emperors in history. While there would always be intrigue surrounding the Roman imperial throne, it wouldn't be for another 124 years until Rome encountered another year like this one. That was the year 193, known to history as the year of the five emperors. The executive producer of Everything Everywhere Daily is James Makala. The associate producer is Thor Thompson. Today's five-star review comes from listener Savio over on Apple Podcasts in Canada. They write, Fun and fantastic. This is a fun and fantastic podcast, and I have listened to every single episode since its inception. Each of them is only seven to eight minutes long and deals with a wide range of topics. A few fun facts that I learned recently. One, even though Octo is the prefix for eight, why October is not the tenth month of the year. 2. The history and rituals for the inauguration, and 3. Why you can't find the McRib on the menu. I recommend this podcast to all my teacher friends because it's a great resource. And if you have an inquisitive mind, you'll definitely enjoy it as well. Well, thank you very much, Savio, and thanks to all of you who've left reviews. Remember, if you leave a five-star review, you too can have it read on the show.